Welcome to the MD Show. You are in the zone with Bianca Banks and Jasmine Shannon. Two women touching on current and cultural events, discussing generational perspectives. We are mother and daughter, women of color on our grind. Buckle up your seatbelts and welcome to the, the MD Show. Welcome back to the MD Show here on Dash Radio, Voice of Reason Station. I am Bianca Banks. And I am Jasmine Shannon. Today, we were actually going to discuss another topic, but we would be remiss if we did not address these historic times. With us today to discuss conditions of Black life is celebrity Larry Sims. Of course, stylist to the stars, a beautiful Black man. And of course, personally, he is my guiding light and the yin to my yang. Welcome. Thank you for having me. So sweet. Hey. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, we we actually plan to do, you know, like I said, another a fun, fun episode, but we really, really need to address um, the tone of the world. Um, in recent months, we've witnessed the deaths um, with our own eyes of Ahmaud Aubrey and George Floyd, which and has propelled- And Breonna Taylor a global movement of protest um, that is not segregated by race, but more of a collective we. So um, we'll start with you first, Jasmine. How do you feel about the movement? For me, I feel like the movement is life-changing. Someone from a younger generation who hasn't necessarily experienced it full throttle, um, like, like as you may have had mom and uncle Larry, like during, you know, your younger years, I think that you guys were much more in the midst of the, uh, you know, of, of the, of the history when, of it coming up into us having freedom and equality. This movement is completely different. I think it's showing that it's still in the midst of our culture and our nation and people try to, you know, downplay that racism is still very much in our world. It may be a different way than what it was when our ancestors and our elders were dealing with it firsthand in, you know, the 40s, 50s, 60s, and so on. But this is just really life-changing to see, even though it's not slavery, America and society has created a new form of, in my mind, slavery, whether it's through social media, the media, film, industries where a lot of, you know, maybe black artists aren't getting paid as much as a white artist, but we don't see it because that's all records and things that are personal to that person. So I think that this has brought out a lot of things that, okay, racism may not be the same of what it was, you know, all these years ago, but it's definitely still on the surface and people who are racist have found ways to have power over minorities. And so I think for me, it's, it's, it's very beautiful, but it's also sad because it's, 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 it's saddening to know that in order for this awareness to start, something tragic had to happen and, uh, and lives were lost. Mm-hmm. So I think as a young, as Someone who's, you know, in the younger generation, I think it's important and it's, it's, it's a huge, um, it, this is life changing. I mean, parents, especially um, interracial marriages, couples, I mean, the, I feel like the tone of everything has to change. It, you know, it shouldn't be, you know, oh, well, we can't, you know, there's just going to be way more discussion and a lot more lessons and knowledge that needs to be shared, you know, and it, and it is true that, you know, if you're not a minority, you don't truly understand what it feels like, but that doesn't mean that they can't learn. And that doesn't mean that they can't understand or at least try to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What say you, Larry? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, it's it's interesting to hear your perspective, Jazz, because you are so much younger. And I think that your generation will be the generation to continue 
um, the fight and the change. Um, and I think it's important. It's unfortunate that it had to happen. Um, but the good of it is you guys are having to experience what this feels like firsthand. Um, growing up in Chicago as a black man, I've experienced racism a couple of times. I've been, um, chased like blatant racism, like chased, um, by a group of, of white men that were, um, congregating in a park. Um, they saw my blackness roll up on a bike and I literally got chased down. They jumped in their car and chased me down. And their car was at the at the foot of my wheels on the bike. I thought that I was going to lose my life potentially that day. Um, another time in the same neighborhood, and coincidentally, it was when I was living with a, a Caucasian family, a white family. When I was in high school, same neighborhood, I was coming home on public transportation to their house and I had to walk past a different park and it seemed like the same group of people at a different time. And it was nighttime at this time. They saw me and literally started running towards me. And again, I was a black man running for my life. Um, And it just, it feels, it feels like history is just repeating itself, unfortunately. And I talked to my mom about it, who, you know, obviously was here before I was. And, and she said that this time reminds her of when King got assassinated. Um, you know, it, it's just incredible how our, our systematic um, um, oppression has always just like reared its ugly head in our lives, even in 2020. And I think now people's voices are super loud. Um, We continue to fight the fight. Um, I was able to feel the pulse of the protests yesterday. Um, And just to be in the vicinity of all of that energy, just it, 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 it touched my soul tremendously. And then to see the images of what that looked like, um, you know, yesterday and this morning, it it just it, the the revolution is completely being um, heard and seen globally. And I don't think that we're going to let up. We're not going to let up, and and we're going to continue to fight for justice. And it's not just black people; it's all races. And and for that, I'm I'm just appreciative. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was going to say that I don't really think that we've ever seen this level of global uniform, um, you know, it's a, it's uniformity um, because we, like, I was thinking of saying, well, you know, is this just because we've all been in quarantine? People have been, you know, inside, they've been in their houses. And of course, you know, we've had these, you know, I specifically say Ahmaud Aubrey and George Floyd because these circumstances were actually, um, you know, like on video, you know, you could see it. We saw, you know, a man being murdered. And so are we saying that, you know, like I kind of felt like, okay, well, is this a little bit of like people are just kind of, you know, tired of the quarantines and they don't really have like, you know, like people are like more people are not in, in work or, you know, more people are. So is it like, is that what you're seeing also? Is that why there's so much attention on these matters? Because, um, you know, it's like usually like people are in their everyday lives. Or I mean, how many times has this happened? Right. How many times has this happened? But then I was thinking that um, I don't really know if we can say that because it's also a global movement. Right. Yes. I feel like that that's something that I was talking to one of my really close friends about it. I was like, I'm frustrated. Like, it's beautiful, but I'm frustrated because how many times has this happened and no one moves moves a, a finger, a foot? Like, no one even, they take it like a grain of salt and it's like, okay, next day, like, let's go to work. So it is interesting that it happened during this time because I feel like people are now more aware. But I, that is definitely something that I was expressing you know, to the the conversation that I've been having with my fellow black sisters and brothers is, well, why now are people, so it takes for people to be removed from normal life, from them, you know, 
going to dinner or going to meetings or, you know, moving through the motions of, okay, go, go, go to realize that racism is still definitely in our midst and that someone like a police officer who has the political shield of, you know, you can't kill a cop, you can't hurt a cop, you can't to still carry on something, which is even more so making me have goosebumps is because that's ran by the government. What do you feel about that, Larry? Like, do you, you understand? Well, yeah, I completely agree with you. I think that everything, I try to live my life and with sort of connecting the dots. And, and I try to make sense in terms of why things happen, whether they be good, bad, negative, or positive. And the positive that I can take out of this whole coronavirus pandemic is that it allowed the world to completely, to your point, be shut down. We had to all just stop our everyday lives in existence. And I don't think if we had this moment to just stop and be quiet and be still, I don't think that this would have been a global movement in the way that it is. And although it, it sucks, it sucks, it, it, it sucks terribly that George had to go through what he went through. And I hate that he had to go through what he went through. But the fact that his life is a, an example of what global um, representation of not allowing this systemic behavior to happen to us over and over again. His life obviously wasn't in vain. You hear a lot of people say his life wasn't in vain, but you know, the world stopped. And then we all had to fight for, for what was right. And I don't think it would have happened if we weren't in a pandemic, not on this level. It's insane. Mm. Yeah, because I mean, I, you know, because then I, I feel like, okay, is there another tone of like, has this transitioned into now like um, a defiance against the current administration? You know what I mean? Like, is it that people are tired of, um, you know, Trump, who has celebrated, you know, no gun control? or has denied that there's even racism in, in many uh, aspects. Like, do you feel that this is more like, has it, you know, like, did it start out um, with George Floyd, but has it now, like, is, is that why we're seeing so many, even like non-Black protesters? Like there's so many cultures out there. Yeah, for me, I think that when you think about Black culture, when you think about how, um, black culture has um, has has implemented so many dope things in people's lives, like how black culture has inspired, you know, things from music to fashion. When you think about athletes that are black folks that are celebrated, you know, um, when you think about the greatness of black people and what we've been able to to the culture for everybody to enjoy and experience. Um, we've, we've enriched so many people's lives, so many other cultures lives, you know, and I think that a, a lot of people rock with us. And I think that the people that rock with us, um, our numbers are stronger. We, we outnumber the oppressors and it, for the first time in, in, in my life and my parents' life, um, we've been able to see this global stance in terms of how we influence the culture and how we're supported by different cultures. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 profound to see. And this is something that will be in the history books. This movement will outlive all of us and people will be able to think back at this and say, wow, what a, what a, what a time to be alive. Absolutely. And when you said history books, that brought me to like a, another really big point on what's happening and what has happened is that how schools are really going to educate this newer generation. Now, obviously, it also starts in the home. I mean, that's for sure the foundation of, you know, someone's development and their knowledge. But, you know, a majority of kids' lives are obviously they're in school as well. Most of that, most of that time is in, in the classroom. So that's one thing that I can say, and probably you guys can say too, history class growing up was nothing about Black culture. They may have touched about it. Oh, Martin Luther King, you know, 
was an advocate and he was an entrepreneur for black, you know, for the black culture. And then, okay, Malcolm X was the same, you know, but he was, you know, it's just like, but there was really no in-depth explanation on why these people, you know, obviously, you know, you touch on it, but like the schools in America touch more on things that didn't change the world things that aren't weren't revolutionary they touch on things that have to do with you know it's it's like how are schools are how are they going to talk about this are they going to say oh there was the coronavirus i'm sure there's going to be more talk about the coronavirus than there was you know what do you think larry yeah i think that we have to not depend on uh, a system that has been broken, that wasn't designed to uplift us. It wasn't designed to truly educate us and, and tell us the truths. We have the power to educate ourselves. I looked at social media earlier today and I thought it was so dope. And I actually started following several. I don't know if you guys saw the tab this morning, but Instagram actually um, created like that tab where they had a link to a bunch of social media platforms um, on IG that um, we should follow. And, and, you know, some of these platforms had, you know, like 1.2, 1.3 million followers. You know, some of them had a couple hundred thousand followers. But the point is, is that the education is at our fingertips. We have to, we can't rely on them to educate us. We have to educate ourselves. We have to educate our children. We have to educate our families and we have to educate our friends. Absolutely. Yeah, and I feel yeah, and like to your point, Larry, I feel like it's it's really great to see um, influencers and other celebrities that have the ability uh, to reach mass, uh, you know, audience. Like yesterday, you sent me um, the, uh, something that Justin Bieber and his wife did, and um, you know, it was really interesting because their perspective was that you know they want to know how they can do better and how they can be educated better and have a better knowledge base because they've benefited, you know, from the black culture. And also that their reality is that they will have white children and they, you know, really wanted to impress upon people that education of um, racial injustice and equality starts in the home. You know, like, you know, I was talking with a friend and who's uh she's actually Italian but we grew up together and I grew up in a non-black community but my parents who were uh victims of racial injustice and extreme bigotry and, and prejudices um brought me up to just see people um you know like basically just pretend like you have a, a bandage you know over over your eyes and you can't see people for the color of their skin and everyone should be treated equal and i think that that's such a big statement for people that were oppressed and you know like my parents were born in the in the 30s and they had to really you know trudge through those you know very very difficult times and and for them to have you know children and raise us not in that way i think speaks volumes and i think that that it, it, you know it definitely needs to start in the home and it's our responsibility just like it's our responsibility to raise our children you know to the best of our ability in in any you know area i feel that that you know needs to be um um pronounced yeah, I agree with everything you just said. And what I also feel like, I also feel as if, you know, for people that are Jazz's age, um, you have to educate your parents. Like there is a video that went viral um, of, of, of a white, a young, intelligent white girl who basically went to bat with her parents about why Black lives do matter, why Black lives matter also, and why their theologies that they had, the way that they looked at what the movement is, was wrong and misconstrued. She had to, like, battle them on it, and thankfully, she, um, you know, was recording it, and... It was just crazy to see that that she had to educate them, and they were like going back and forth with her, trying to like shut down her her points. And you know, I think that you know a lot of younger people specifically have had it. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I feel like 
too, um, like the tone is different in a sense that like I've received emails, for example, from the school district that my son goes to or just like Facebook messages, different different groups, different like from my high school group and things like that, where they would like to know and they would like to be more educated on um, what they can do to help and how they can facilitate um, us in any way possible. And and I, I don't I almost want to say that maybe um, like the world has kind of been like tone deaf in many sense to like these, these issues. Um, Has that been the case for either of you? Like have people reached out to you and said, you know, what am I missing here? Yes, that's definitely something that I was just going to bring up too, is the support from our non, you know, black community that are considered our family as well. Um, I think it's interesting to get text messages like that, like from people who I talk to every day, especially because I'm like, what made you text this to me? Like if, you know, you already support me by being my friend, you already support me by treating me the same as you. That these are the things that I thought in my head, you know, like, okay, what's what, like, what could you really give me to make me feel better? There's not, there's nothing that someone can really physically give me, but it's, is just to be genuine in who you are and what you stand for. And, you know, so it's been really interesting for me to get those type of text messages. Cause I'm like, okay, well, you're my friend. You've always been my friend. We literally talk about every day, but you now decided to text me and say, Oh, if there's anything that you need, which I think is great. Like, I think that that's sweet, but it's also interesting because I'm like, well, you already do everything. You, you're my friend. You don't make me feel like I'm different. But de- there's definitely friends that I've had that are no longer my friends that have that are not African American that are wealthy that have made me feel like I'm or they've made me feel that they're more superior over me without even think without even knowing. And so that's another struggle that I've had as a young black woman. Even um, I went to school in Oregon um, and I lived in Oregon for seven seven years and the majority the state of Oregon is one percent African Americans. Um and a lot of what I experience from people who are from places like this, Oregon's not the only place that's like that, is that there's no awareness of culture. They've never had to experience, oh, this is what, you know, black culture is. This is these are the things that I shouldn't say, not just the N-word. It's not just about saying the N-word. And I think it's the only universal thing that people thought of before this movement is, oh, well, if I say the N-word, that means I'm racist. If I don't, that means I'm not racist. But it's way more than that. I remember in college, one of my teammates said to me, oh, I've never heard of catfish. Is that a blackfish? Because you don't like salmon. So that must mean that like salmon's a white fit. And I'm just like, hold up, bring it back. Hold it, hold on. Like you're, and she was so genuine. She didn't, and I was looking at her and I'm just like, and this is someone my mom was close with too. And I'm like looking at her like, wow, she really doesn't understand culture. She has no knowledge. Her parents haven't taught her these things because they've never really felt like they've had to. So I think that's kind of like my thought process. That's how it's been receiving these text messages, thinking back to these times where there's people not only that are bluntly, but people who just have a lack of knowledge and don't really know what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. I've definitely gotten the phone calls. I've gotten the text messages. What can we do? Are you okay? Um, From professional relationships that I have, organizations that I'm a part of, um, friendships for sure. And my answer always is you have to talk amongst yourselves. You can't really do anything to help me. You have to do something to help your culture and your community. You need to have those conversations with your with your other white, you know, brothers and sisters that 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 are in your circle. Change the difference there. We didn't get here because of us. We got here because of your ancestors, because of your parents, because of your grandparents. You know what I mean? So it's just one of those things where. Stop. Like, it's like, although I appreciate it, I want you, though, to do the work internally, because that's really going to, you know, we can scream as loud as we want. You know, we 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 can march 
you know, and, and our voice is already heard. You know, we're screaming loud to the top of our lungs. But when the protests are over and you're at home with in solidarity with your families and in your communities, those are the real that's when the real work needs to be done. I definitely feel that, um, you know, just again, um, like with my with my children, I've, you know, as Jasmine knows this because she's obviously older, but like I've made it a responsibility of mine to expose them to all cultures and, uh, you know, just regardless, whatever, race, religion, gender, you know, sexual identity, whatever. But um, you have to make a conscious effort to encompass and, you know, and to expose, you know. Yeah. A thousand percent. Yes, mom, that totally even brings me to something that I was discussing with a mom the other day um, is Jack and Jill, um, different organizations like Jack and Jill. Um, For those who don't know, Jack and Jill is a um, organization and a chapter organization all over the world for black mothers and their children um, to educate them in black culture. Um, my mom was a part of Jack and Jill when she was my age. I was a part of Jack and Jill. Not only did my mom educate me like in the home, but also she educated me by involving me in things, even though, like she said, we, we, we were both raised in a predominantly white neighborhood, but she still, my dance studio growing up was in a black neighborhood. Um, Jack and Jill was an organization that we were involved in in the black neighborhood. So even if you're not, even if you're from a privileged background, that doesn't make it you less black. That's also something that I've experienced. Like, oh, well, Jasmine, you're whitewashed or you're educated, so you don't really understand. Why does that mean that I don't understand? Because you don't know my story. You don't know what my mom has done, you know, and my family in general has done to, to keep me knowledgeable and, you know, aware. But you have tuned into the MND show. Um, we are practicing safe radio from three different locations, and we have our amazing guest, Larry Sims, today. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, Jasmine, you know, it was like nothing for us to, you know, I would pile a bunch of pillows in the car. We would drive wherever. We would drive up north. You know, we've driven across country a few different times. But I wanted to make sure that she was uh, exposed, you know, to whatever I can expose her to, you know? Um, and that, that's, I just feel like that's really important. Some people don't leave that bubble. You know what I mean? Some people don't leave that bubble, but, but so, so both of you, but Larry, have you, so you've had people reach out to you and they want to know what they can do. Your response is basically that they need to create um, a, a, community of conversation amongst themselves, do you feel that that will improve the current state um, of race relations? Or do you feel like um, it, like that it also starts within, um, within like, you know, how we're seeing now that they want to disband um, police, um, you know, um, like they want to basically defund some of these police organizations and you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a combined effort. I don't think that it's just one thing. I think that you have to have the internal conversations to stop as much um, police brutality and, and, and just social injustice that we're seeing on a daily basis. I was just watching the news before we hopped on and I, wasn't aware of this story, but I saw in Virginia, a man took a truck and, and drove into a, a crowd, a blue truck. You know, they, they did their investigating. They found out that this guy was, you know, the head of the KKK organization out in Virginia. They arrested him. Um, you know, it's like those kinds of things. It's, I think about like, who are your parents? Who are your friends? Who are your colleagues who are your the people that that maybe suspect that you are a part of the KKK organization but have not said anything in fear of being disrespectful or 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 in fear of not seeming to be down with with you or or, or whatever it is it's just like i just wonder if one person would have said to him yo man like that's not the route to go you know let these people protest 
peacefully. Maybe he wouldn't have had that that sort of stance on 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 the the level of hatred that he displayed. And it, it just is eye opening that you know this is so deeply rooted. It's so deeply rooted from from generations before us. And I think that racism is definitely a learned behavior. It's not something that you're born with. We're not born with hate in our hearts. We pick it up from somewhere. And we have to dismantle that makeup of the human existence. Yeah, I mean, to touch on your point, Larry, just really quick, I was definitely going to say that, you know, not everybody's down with with the global movement because we have seen that. And it's not just, we've seen people driving their cars or like there was like an oil tanker or just, you know, other things. They're driving their cars into these protests. They're throwing, uh, you know, objects at, at, at these peaceful that are just protesting in peace. And that again is like, I mean, that's crazy. It's like you hate, you know what I mean? A culture or a movement, or you don't want, um, you know, to have, you basically want to perpetuate having a racial divide. And it's like, where, where does that come from? But, you know, it's like, if you go to some of these places, like, you know, you and I have both been way, you know, like way in the middle of nowhere, you do feel it. Like you automatically feel like the energy is different. Like I just, you know what I mean? It's just, you know what I mean? It's it's just the tone of, you know, and there are, um, unfortunately, I think um, Trump's administration has kind of like fueled those behaviors to where, you know, you're really seeing like, a pre- you know, a president, the leader of the first world saying, you know, oh, well, you know, uh, George Floyd would be happy now. Or, you know, I'm like, what is that? I feel like that, I mean... This goes back to what we were discussing um, when it comes to their upbringing and what was instilled in them. Like what Uncle Larry was saying, like people don't just wake up and they're like, oh, I don't like black people. I don't like Asians. I'm like, like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, like he said, something was taught to them, you know, and, and let's talk about this. This has definitely been a conversation for a lot of my generation when Caucasian women bring home a black man. Or when black women bring home a white man, that that's probably a lot, when a lot of those conversations start, because then you'll see a, a, a parent reacting to that. Like one of my um, one of my um, really close friends told me that one of her friends, like she's Caucasian and she dates black men, and her dad doesn't like it. Her dad doesn't like when she brings home these black men, but the mom is like, "Well, let her like this is what she wants to do." But like, why does it even need to be? A conversation like that. Why does Guess he- dinner? What did you say, Mom? Yes, who's coming to dinner? That's right. You know. mm-hmm. Or even like that one movie with Bernie Back and um, Zoe Saldana and um, Ashton Kutcher. Um, mm-hmm. They're on the way to the to the parents' house. You know, he's they're engaged. The parents don't know yet. They want to go to the parents' house for the weekend to tell them they're on the way to the house. And Ashton Kutcher looks at Zoe and says, "Have you told them?" Mm-hmm. And he's, she's like, what? And he's, she, he's like, that I'm white. And she's like, no, why would I say that? There's no reason for me to explain that to my parents. Mm-hmm. And then they show up and Bernie's like, what the, you know, he, like it's, the, the scene is like, they pull up in the cab, then the delivery man pulls up and the delivery man is black. And so Bernie walks up to the black delivery man. is like, oh, what's up, bro? Like, welcome to the family. Da, 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 da. And, Ash, and he looks at Ashton Kutcher and goes, put the bags in the house. Or something like that. And he's like, no, sir, like, I'm the man that's with your daughter. So it's, it's like, that's even a form of, 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 of you know, industry and, and social media and representation of, oh, it's an awkward thing for some parents and for some households to, for there to be interracial marriages. And I think that, that that is a huge example of where a lot of those tough conversations start. I'm sure a lot of people don't realize their families are even racist until those type of things happen. So I think that's when the, that type of knowledge needs to be discussed. Like, it, why is this upsetting for you? Is there an actual reason? Is there, you know what I'm saying? Because I feel like that that's what a lot, a lot of the conversation has been for, a lot, especially for marriages that are interracial. I mean, I also think that that could be because 
of our experience. Like, I, I don't think that, you know, that there's that feeling or there's that tone in those circumstances because we feel a way. I think it's because of the way we've been treated and, you know, there are certain apprehensions that are just prevalent in those situations. You know what I mean? In, in some situations, that's one example. I know like the other day I had um, some people come to the house to do like, um, like some work. And like, I could tell when I opened the door, the man was like, oh, like she's black. You know what I mean? Like, and it, it just starts like, again, it's just like this energy. And it's like, you know, I can afford this. I can do certain things or I'm allowed to be certain places, you know, um, you know, like Larry and Jasmine too, you, you know, one of my big things is, um, especially like if we're flying, like we can afford, you know, to fly first class. So, I, you know, so you need to see that, you know what I mean? Like, like people, people need to see like, you know, like we've worked so hard, you know, why am I not better? You know what I mean? Or as good as you. Yeah, my thing too, I mean, I agree with everything you just said also. I'm just agreeing this whole conversation with everything. I know. <laughs> but my thing is, to your point, all we are asking for, the only thing that we've only asked for, the same shit. I don't know if I can curse on here. All we want are the same rights. We're not asking for... The, the more we're not asking to like overstep. We're not asking. I was talking to a friend yesterday and we were laughing because we were like, yo, all we've just been asking for are the basic rights to be treated the same, to be considered in the same way in every single circumstance consistently. But we have not been able to have that. We are in 2020 and we have not been able to experience being treated and respected the same way. And, uh, you know, somebody said on, on social media, they better be lucky that we're not trying to get revenge. We're not trying to get revenge because this whole bitch would be on fire. This whole planet would be on fire if we were trying to get revenge. We're not trying to get revenge. We just want the basic sameness, period. Respect us in the same way. Why is that so hard? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that that goes to show too, like, even for a, a black woman versus a black man, there's certain things that we even experience in the corporate world with that alone. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing. It's like, you, like the strength and the, and, and the courage and the bravery that it takes to get up and be in this world every day to do the things that these white privileged people are doing with fear. That's, and then this goes back to what you're saying about equality. It's not that we want more. It's not that we're demanding to be on a higher pedestal than any other race. It's why can you go to work and sit at your office desk and make calls and make papers and people will be at your hand and foot. But then if I'm at the desk, it's, it's a struggle. You're talking down on me because you feel like I'm unintelligent or like those are things that, that people don't experience, they may experience that if they're genuinely do, making a mistake in the job. But I'm saying more so like if you're both doing the same thing and you're both are doing, you know, right in your, in your, in your job, why does she get treated differently than, than this person? Yeah. But you know what too? Um, I also think that how, you know, we were saying that there needs to be a conversation among amongst non-black um, peoples and their communities about um, you know, what they can do or, or, you know, what they should do or how they can be involved. I also feel like there's a conversation that should be had amongst us too, because, you know, one of the things I posted the other day was like, like how many times do we see each other tearing each other down? You know what I mean? Like I posted this thing about women to your point, Jasmine, that, you know, I have certain, you know, have known certain women that I've considered my sisters that, um, you know, are just, I have just really disappointed and um, really just just shunned me and not supported me. And we um, have this thing as black women, just like, you know, that whole cattiness or, or being mean or just not being supportive of one another. And that's so um, 
you know, being a woman is already a minority and then being a black woman, that's a double minority. And it's like for you not to celebrate people. And we see this all the time, you know, and and I just hope that that can also change. Like I do see people now posting like, well, let's, you know, support and patronize these black businesses or, you know, like you've seen those lists on Instagrams, like here in L.A., you can support these businesses and so forth. But it's like I also feel like there needs to be you know, um, an improvement on relations as far as how we treat one another as a culture as well. A thousand percent. I totally agree with that. It starts with us. And I think that they love it when we tear each other down. For the people that aren't with us, they're like, oh yeah, let them go at it. Let them tear up their own neighborhoods. Let them kill each other. You know, um, and as fortunate yeah. as it is, we, I'm from Chicago. I'd be the first one to say, like, and I'm from the hood. You know, I, I we, as as a culture in Chicago, as a community in Chicago, the number of black on black crimes, the number of deaths that we see in Chicago, like, and the numbers continue to increase. At one point, Chicago had the highest numbers of, of fatalities in one summer than any other place in the nation. So, to your point, yeah, we do. We have to be able to get to a place where we aren't tearing each other down, where we're um, respecting each other. You know, I don't condone um, any of the, the black on black crimes, but I also know that a lot of it happens because of disparity, because mm-hmm. of you know economically where those where 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 those neighborhoods sort of rest and 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 how this systematically it's set up for us to stay on those blocks. It's not set up for us to to be able to advance in life. Or I got lucky, you know, through the grace of God and through perseverance and, and through a great mother that supported me. I got lucky. I was able to get out. But a lot of my friends that I grew up with are still on the same blocks in Chicago. A lot of my family members have not left the west side of Chicago. And I believe that's because it's just set up to keep us trapped in those environments and people become desperate. You know, it's, it's like we, we have to be able to fight within, unify and try to build out a system that will uplift us and pull us out of, you know, um, the, the, the disparities that we, we have to experience. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, I feel like you, you see a lot, um, like even, I keep referring back to um, television and film and music because it, it's it's a universal language. It's what we all listen to, watch, and 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 take in, and it becomes, you know, second nature. And it becomes people are like being trained to think a certain way with, without even really thinking about it because of music, film, television, and the media and social media. That's literally proving your point. Like when when you see certain, like All American, the show All American, uh, Netflix original, super great show. There is, it's literally discussing a black boy from Inglewood who moved to Beverly Hills to play football, but he's still being, you know, he's still connected to his, his Inglewood upbringing. And it shows his friends who didn't come out literally telling him, well, this is the life that, that I'm supposed to live. I'm supposed to be a, a, a drug dealer. I'm supposed to be, but why did it, it's like what you're saying. It's because of how the system is set up. They've, the people who fall, you know, fall into that. They think that because of their upbringing and because of what's surrounded by them, this is that they can't get out. And, you know, and I totally agree with that uncle Larry. I feel like I don't like people need to have faith in themselves and they have to have faith in their growth and they have to have faith in their strength. And the fact that, you can, you can, you have a choice. You have a choice to, to, you know, make a difference and start and, and start a new leaf for, for, for their family, for the church, you know, and that even goes from people who can say, oh, I was the first person who got a college degree. There's, I know a bunch of people who I went to college with who were athletes or who were students and said, wow, like I'm going to be the first person with a degree in my entire family. Mm-hmm. He came yeah. from the same places that everyone else came from in his family, but he, like you said, had support from his family, perseverance, you know, was into something that was his passion and his craft, and it brought him out of somewhere and made a difference. 
And that and that just needs to be that and that's inspiring for, for, for people in his family and for other families. So I think that you're right, Uncle Larry, like that needs to continue to happen and people shouldn't feel like that they're they have to be stuck in a place because society is telling them, Oh, you're black, so you're a thug. Like that and that's a lot of what back to the Trump administration, they're posting all of that. Like, oh, these thugs are going through the streets. Oh, okay, so they're considered thugs because they're upset, because they're expressing they're they're being loud. Because they're actually that that that's what they don't want. They don't want us to have a voice. So they're considered thugs because they're a voice. They have a voice, and because they're they're emotional and passionate about what is happening, like that has to change. Yeah, I mean, I I, I definitely feel like this time, one of the biggest differences um, to your point too, Larry, is that, um, you know, obviously within the protests, we've seen a lot of looting. Um, and, you know, you and I, Larry, have talked about it, um, you know, and I mean, I really feel like this time they kind of got it right. You know, like instead of tearing down your own community, you know, and and what you, you know, you have to wake up and, um, you know, and and be in this community, you know, uh, you know what I mean? And patronize your community. You're raising your children and families in this community. And this time, I the only, you know, kind of thing I was, you know, really pointed out was that you know, the looting took place where it really, really kind of hurts, you know, a lot of these big companies that are supporting Trump. You know, you've, you've seen those lists, you know, those companies, they're out there. They're like his biggest supporters, you know? And, and I just found that that was kind of like really interesting, you know, like, like, like even people that, that didn't make it out or don't, you know, don't have the, um, like don't have the arms to, to really like, you know, to have the education or they're, they're not, um, you know, they're not knowledgeable on certain, you know, certain, you know, things and, and they don't have the means to do certain things. They were just like, still, we're going to, we're going to tear up, you know, where it hits America and the economy the most to get that message across. You know what I mean? We're not going to, we're not going to pay, you know, $200 to buy your sneakers and you can't even support these other officers being arrested. Yeah, through all of it, for me, I think, I don't know if we would have gotten the the, the prosecution of, of those officers being arrested if we weren't tearing shit up. You know, if, if we were just marching, we've tried to march peacefully. Colin Kaepernick, he tried to take a knee peacefully. You know what I mean? We've tried to do it their way in a way that they're comfortable with. So now we have to be forced to make all of you uncomfortable for our voices to be heard, for the right thing to be done. Again, basic stuff. If it were four black cops on a white man's knee, they would all be lynched right now, burned at the stake immediately. But because, you know, it, 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 if it, like, it's just not the same. So yeah, if, if, if we have to tear things up, if that's what we know will get results, then so be it. And let there not be a conviction once those officers go to trial. Yeah. Everybody needs to hide under a rock at that point because the whole world is going to blow up. It is. It is. So, you know, I'm going to close by saying that it really is my wish that the hundreds and thousands of people that we're seeing, not just here in Los Angeles, but throughout the world, um, but most importantly here in Los Angeles, or I'm sorry, here in the United States, that those people that are eligible and that um, are able to vote, that, you know, we see those same numbers this time, you know what I mean, um, in November. You know, because I feel like we were so, you know, I guess, you know, it was like we had this thing of, you know, he'll never really get Trump will never really get voted in. Like, it's really not going to happen, you know. And I think that, you know, form of thinking led us to where we are now. Yeah, it was the kabuki that got dropped on us. It, we, it was the gotcha gotcha. I'm like, damn. <laughs> it was a big gotcha gotcha. <laughs> like, you know, like, it's like, you know, you felt like, am I dreaming? Like, <laughs> Yeah, to your point, I agree. I pray to the heavens that people will show up in numbers um, to vote 
this administration out of office come September because we can't bear another four years of the divide that this man represents. He doesn't have a, a sincere and compassionate bone in his body. He's just not made made up in that way. And I, and I'm just praying for for us as a nation and then as a society to um to to get beyond this. Absolutely, I totally agree. Um, I think too to see truth on his social media only responding to the people who may be against what's happening is it, it speaks volumes. Like the whole Drew Brees thing happened. Drew Brees came out with the um, I apologize and Trump responded. He should have never apologized. Like just it's just the blatant like I don't like these people. I don't like anyone. He honestly doesn't like anyone but himself. And so it's just very interesting to experience, <laughs> to experience that because in my years um, of being alive, I've never really had a president um, in office that genuinely doesn't like anybody and genuinely only cares about himself and genuinely does things. I don't even understand it. It's honestly interesting and it is history. Um, so, yeah, I totally agree with that. And it's, and it's, um, I think that this, what we're doing now, having these conversations with, you know, the people that we love and the people, you know, black or non-black, um, is super important. And I think that it needs to continue to happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I, I just am so happy and proud of you both. You know that I love you both immensely. And I'm so proud of what you're doing with your platform. Um, you know, I had to come back when we can talk about things that are light and fun. You know, but, but we, yeah, it, it, we're speaking to the times right now. And I, I love you both. And I'm really proud of you all. And um, thank you for having me on. Yes, thank you for joining us. And how can everyone find you, Larry? So I am at Larry Jarrah, J-A-R-A-H, Sims, S-I-M-S, on all social platforms. I'm easy to find. Yes, and the same for me. It's Bianca Banks, I-T-S-B-I-A-N-C-A-B-A-N-K-S on all social platforms. And I'm Jasmine, the little one. Follow me at JazzNation, J-A-S-N-A-T-I-O-N-N. And we can't wait for you guys to tune in next time. See you soon. Thanks for listening. Peace.